Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. Today is Thursday, October 27th, 2022. It's the last Thursday of the month. Happy Halloween, everyone. This is your host, Mike Abadir, for the Mike Abadir Show, of course. And I'm sitting alongside my main man, Pop DiBiase. And we're going to talk all things sports, World Series. We're going to talk a little college football with Ohio State. We actually did a show together yesterday on his show. And we're going to talk about the same topics that we talked about yesterday. But sometimes when you sleep on it, Pop, you maybe come up with a different, you know, angle. Maybe you think of something, another argument, maybe another bullet point, that type of thing. So we'll talk a little bit of Ohio State. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Fall Classic. I'm going to pose, actually, a hypothetical. I'm going to see what Pop thinks about it, which is, what if we played the World Series with a new format, neutral site, but not the whole way through? I'll explain in a minute. Of course, we're going to talk about NFL Week 7, wrap that up, get into this week's Week 8 matchups, talk about some best picks. And we're going to talk about my man's, I'm not going to say sorry-ass Lakers, but I'm going to just say 0-4 Lakers. How about that? He could fill in the adjectives. Pop, what is up, my friend? Lots of places to start, but let me first start with how you doing. I'm doing good, man. I did a show earlier today. Did the CFB conference bets list for uh, week nine and everything. So you guys can catch that on the Twitter right now or on my YouTube channel as well, too. But that's up and out right now as well. And today's um, bets for the NBA, NFL, and for college football as well, too. So you guys can check that on out if you are following me on Twitter at PopDBIC. Um, and it'll be right there for you. And just type in the primetime capper, and you guys will be able to find me right away. So let's talk about the World Series. Let's start with that sport that you and I love, and we only have a few more days to really talk about it. And I mentioned something at the very top, which is maybe a different format. I hope that rain doesn't have any kind of impact once the games are in Philly. Last time, World Series of the Philly, I think we had some activity there with the rain when they played Tampa. And uh, I would just hate for any interruptions in the game flow. You know, baseball is a springtime game and it's a summer game. But right now, in a lot of these uh, East Coast states, they're starting to experience winter weather, right? We're almost in November, let's face it. So you're playing maybe in sub 40 degree temperatures, kind of more like football weather, really, not baseball weather. Baseball doesn't need bad weather to be fun and cool. Football, it's kind of nice late in the year to have like a snow game and a rain game and that kind of stuff. But even football, I kind of prefer that there are no weather conditions. That's just my preference. Uh, but my thought was this. You want to reward the season ticket holders and the home fans. So have a home game at each stadium. One at Fenway Park, one at Dodger Stadium. And then have a neutral site for the next five. That was my thought on the World Series that they should consider doing something like that moving forward. Now, the first two games, obviously, are going to be towards the end of October. And believe it or not, every week that passes, it gets a little bit colder and colder. I know here in California, even in Northern Cali, this week is colder than last week. 
and last week was a little bit cooler than the week before and so on and so forth it seems maybe like three weeks ago it was like full-on summer weather like 100 degrees right mm -hmm. and, and now it's like much cooler so you play the first two games home stadiums for each of the clubs and then you play on a neutral site i would say you rotate between san diego dodger stadium san francisco you know anaheim stadium and miami and maybe houston and, and texas ranger stadium right obviously i'm picking the warm weather places where you're gonna have good weather you know even in miami i think even though you get those random like you know half hour rainfalls it dries up pretty fast because of the humidity and uh and you could start a game almost any day it never rains like you know five days in a row without any sunshine that's just not florida for you so that's kind of my thought what are your thoughts you like it you hate it um i would say that it's a good idea i think that it could work i think that it was a lot of fun to do when we did the uh short season a few years back it was a brand new stadium in arlington as well too they was able to accommodate uh everybody in this the stadium is, is i think you can go ahead and put the roof over it if it's gonna rain and i've been in that stadium before that stadium is a really 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 good modern stadium as well too um you know you can have the game at dodger stadium you can have it at angel stadium as well too because you'll have the weather uh, working in your favor. And that's what I know what you're thinking about and what you're looking at as well, too. You can also have it in Miami as well. And I think that it would be fun to have it there because then at the end of the day, you can just go ahead and have a baseball game. You don't have to have other elements play into that baseball game. I think the biggest thing that was what happened to the Dodgers was is that, you know, they didn't have their usual L.A. faction. They didn't have their usual L.A you know, takeover in San Diego because they blocked that when they did the playoff tickets this year and everything like that. So, you know, I don't think that plays that much of a part into the win of the game. But I think that if everybody just feels like if there would, it will just make everybody feel like it's fair. You know what I mean? But I think at the same time, though, that's, that's a lot of money that's going away from these home stadiums. And I think we don't want to take away the, the tradition of what we do in baseball too much because baseball is a very traditional sport and them even adding in extra teams for the playoffs to me was, was, was a good way to try to add in more viewership. But then at the end of the day, you kind of ruined it because you kind of got ruined because your, your hundred win teams weren't available for the most important part of the playoffs, the championship series. We all know that both of these championship series would have been much better with the well, the, I can't say anything about the uh, American League because the American League went to plan, but the NL is very disappointing right now. No offense to the Phillies, no offense to the Padres, but I really want to see Mets Dodgers in the uh, NLCS. I thought that was the must see TV uh, series. I thought that would be one that would get people very, very into what's going on with baseball and everything like that. And it would have been a great way to steal some of that football glory for the fall. But when that didn't happen, baseball just became, okay, we're just going to go ahead and throw it in the back, back room again. You know, so, what? see, I, it has to be about the matchups, right? And, you know, I would still want to see the Yankees play the Dodgers at, uh, in the World Series but at Yankee Stadium. But I would be honest with you, I would, wouldn't care to watch it. I would love the Phillies playing in Miami against the – Astros, that makes a lot of sense to me. But, you know, Yankees at Dodger Stadium, 
Dodgers at, uh, you, you know, it, that's the fun stuff right there. And I think that, you know, if we go that route, we'll get, we'll get, we'll take away from that part right there where, you know, you can really play up the traditions of old timey baseball, but baseball has to figure out something to pivot themselves into the future to meet, you know, this new fan base in the middle. But I think as long as parents keep, you know, teaching their kids the game, I think baseball is in a good place. Baseball has became, is, is a sport that I feel like that's going to come back in the next few years, because I know a lot of parents are starting to realize that, you know, this, the, 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 the basketball and football might not be the route for their child. You know what I mean? And the baseball is a sport that you can pick up fairly quickly, like very easily about three, four years old, and you can continue to play. And they're not asking you to be the most incredible of players ever because they know it's a, it's a constant learning process when you're playing baseball. Yeah, you make some really good points. Now, keep something in mind. You're t- you've mentioned the word tradition a few times. And, uh, you know, baseball is very traditional, of course. And you want to be able to reward the home stadiums. And it's kind of fun to see guys playing in Yankee Stadium and at Fenway and Dodger Stadium, etc. And I totally agree with you. However, there's sometimes you hit that crossroads where you, you kind of can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Because baseball, they deviated from tradition by extending the playoffs you know back in the day it was pretty much you know the winner of the east played the winner of the west for the world series that's just the way it went you know uh, there was there was two big divisions in each conference in each league and it automatically went to you know the very first series in each was the alcs and nlcs and then the world series that's it so you didn't have games this deep into the calendar year, Pop. You had games, playoff games that are like late September, early October. Now we're talking about a full month later where their game's going to be played. I don't know when the World Series ends this year, but it probably ends, what, November 7th or 8th or something. You know, so, so we're a full month later than what the tradition held. And that's kind of why, um, you know, what really made me think about this was, did you watch, was it game the last game between the Padres and the Phillies, they were playing in a downpour, right? And I was just kind of thinking, like, I really hope that they get this game in. And then I was like, you know what? They shouldn't be worried about getting games in um, because they can avoid it. You don't have to worry about getting games in if you pick the right destinations. You know what I mean? Um, But look, Here's the last thing that I'll say about it, and then we'll move on, unless you got another point about it. The rewarding the home teams, that's your home field advantage that you get for your seeding. But the World Series, in a sense, should be at a neutral site anyways. Kind of like the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, you get home field games for your seeding. That's your reward. But they don't give the higher seed the Super Bowl game. Everybody plays on neutral site. Well, it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Sometimes, every once in a while, it happens to be where Tampa plays in Tampa or something. But that's only happened like once or twice or something in history. Right. So that's kind of my take on it. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, this all moot point doesn't rain. We have a very dry World Series. 
Uh, but you never know when you're talking about Philadelphia. I'm not worried about Houston. Should be good there. Um, I'm looking forward to it. So let's talk about the games on the field themselves. You know, I'm kind of looking at this matchup as a matchup of the best team against a matchup of the hottest team. And that's what makes it a compelling World Series. You know, I've heard some commentators on, on television today say not so fast with immediately crowding Houston. I disagree. I think Houston is the best team. They've been the most consistent, wire to wire. And I think they get the job done to give my man, Dusty Baker, his long-sought, well-deserved World Series ring. What say you? I would say that we have to make sure that it goes according to plan because the the history is not on the Astro side here. They've played the last two World Series. They lost, and they lost to an um, in, to an NL East team. First one being Washington, the other one being the Braves, and now they have drawn the Phillies. And another funny stat is is that every time we're we're in a a bad bad uh, financial crunch in the country. The champion always is a team. A baseball World Series champ is a team from Philadelphia. They had the Athletics win one, I think, in '28. They said that the Phillies got one in uh, like 1940, and then the Phillies got one in '80, and then they got one in 2008. But that's just some. That's just a, just BS. That's just whatever. That's but, that's some deep digging there, my friend. But I like it. Right. Yeah. And so you know, I think that all in all. The Phillies have the star, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, they just showed him that. I just seen a video of him at 12. He's 6'1", 170. I still will always say that he's never played to the hype that he was supposed to be at, even though he's shown it and shown that he could be that, – that he's the best player on the planet when he's fully healthy, fully focused, things of that nature. But I just always feel like Bryce – had a bad situation because he was a part of that that era of guys who all had to be stuck in Washington because of how bad Washington was. Him, Strasburg, just left and right, all the all all the freaks that were coming into the MLB. Now, if he threw, now let's just say this: you would have threw Bryce on, say, a team like the Oakland A's back then, but the A's were good then when he got drafted. That would have been like bringing in Coach Canseco or somebody. You know what I mean? And if he could have been with a team like the your Red Sox being drafted into that or being a Yankee, things like that, it would be different. But he was with the Washington Nationals, and the Washington Nationals literally just had to play off of their player. You know what I mean? And they weren't good, but he he made them somewhat feasible. They got to the playoffs, and when he left, they won a World Series. And that's the irony of the team because they had finally put a team around him that was going to be able to win, but he couldn't stay healthy. And he could have stayed too, but he didn't want to stay. And I think that's because he never wanted to play for the Nationals in the first place. Now he plays for a traditional MLB team in the Phillies who have a base, who have, a, who have some love in the MLB. And so it kind of just fits the bill a little bit that the Star Stars is on their team. And I think that Bryce Harper and is going to give the Phillies a, 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 a real puncher's chance in a lot of people's eyes. But I think that the way the when you see a team marching like this in baseball, they usually don't get beat. I've seen 
the Atlanta Braves uh, do this when they won their title back in the 90s. I've seen the Yankees do this in the early 2000s when they won their title. I've seen also the St. Louis Cardinals do this in the mid-2000s when they won their title. And I saw your Red Sox do this each and every time they won a, a, a World Series where they just marched through and they really just went ahead and made life real easy for themselves. When they got down, hey, they came back. They, they 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 really had the will to win every single game, every game that they needed to win, and I think the the Astros had that same mantra, that same tune, and even and I know you don't want to hear this. Even the Dodgers short season crew had the same you know attitude march towards the title. We will not lose. We will not be denied. And that's exactly what I'm seeing with the Houston Astros right now. Dusty Baker inherited the best team since he was since he was managing the Giants, straight up. And that's who exactly who they remind me of. But no Barry Bonds, but still, they have the team that has everything in place, and that team is far better than roster wise than you know that Giants team as well too. Uh, when you look at the numbers and when you look at the talent on that squad, so it's like literally. Uh, it's to me, as we would say, I know we had to play the series, but I'm feeling like this is going to be a nice paid workout, like we say about our absolute favorite at the racetrack, Mike. Wow, man, you laid out quite a bit. It all sounds pretty good. That takes us right to our first commercial timeout. Let's take that right now. We'll come back, resume the conversation, get into some minor nba talk because i'm gonna talk a little bit smack about the lakers because i know pop don't want to hear it but he's he knows what's coming let's you know I, i'm i'm all here for it because all i do is hear nation <laughs> talk bad about him all all day we got <laughs> literally say that they're the laker lifers and they just sit there and they really really just rag on them as if genie's gonna go ahead and call them in for advice yeah yeah really no kidding huh well genie right. may be uh if she's listening she don't want to take any advice from me that's for damn sure but hopefully you guys are listening stay with us we'll be back right after this on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics 
spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking all things sports started with the World Series and uh, we're going to kind of migrate now onto the hardwood, the NBA. I was poking a little bit of fun at Pop before the break because he's a big Laker fan. Um, Life. <laughs> I'm not going to say that this team is going to go 0 and 82 because teams don't do that. But realistically, I mean, do you think this is like a a 40 win team, a 30 win team? Like, where do they land at the end? I mean, 41 and 41 is 500. They're 0 and 4. So right out of the gate, you're now going to have to play just to even get to 500. You're going to have to be above 500 the rest of the way out. You know, what do you think happens with this team, man? It's called extended preseason, Mike, in my opinion. I've seen teams start 0 and 8 for a season and wind up being a fifth seed in the NBA, Okay. The NBA has is is a, is 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 a league of streaks, in my opinion. You know, what I mean, you're not going to ever have it to where the teams win one, then lose one, win one, then lose one on a consistent basis. Every time you have a team win three in a row, then they'll drop three. Then they'll drop win four in a row, then they'll drop three, or they'll lose the next four out of five and blase, blase, blase. I think the biggest thing that's wrong with the Lakers right now, and it's very obvious, they have no chemistry. And their coach is a coach that did not get this team bonded together when it was time to bond them together. Coach was so worried about, you know, making sure that he was saying all the right right things to make sure Russell Westbrook was going to be able to just continue to to want to play basketball, period. And Westbrook's issue is simply the fans and the media right now. It's not about really his gameplay, in my opinion. I think that it's more about it doesn't matter. He could have got 30 points. He could have averaged 30 points a game in the first three. They still were going to try to blame everything on Westbrook because literally they've been trained by the media to hate Westbrook because they don't like Westbrook. They haven't liked Westbrook since, you know, the the KD uh, split. You know what I mean? They really put – they always want to put the KD split on Russ, and they hated the fact that Russ was able to turn himself into a NBA, uh, literally a 2K creative player, and get himself a triple double every single game for two seasons straight. You know, what I mean, the guy absolutely destroyed the triple double record. The triple double used to be like something real special. Now it's just like it's the, it's a Russell Westbrook. So I really do think that those three guys, I don't have an issue with them if I'm the coach. I have an issue with the other nine because you guys are spectating. Lonnie Walker is the exception. Pat Beverly, I still just don't understand why are you on the roster. 
and then Kendrick Nunn's fine. He's decent. And then everybody else, they could they could go elsewhere. The Lakers could just call up whoever's playing on the South Bay Lakers and they could take over as the bench. I don't know. There's plenty of NBA free agents that are way better than what the Lakers have over there. And the Lakers can't get a chemistry with guys who they know can't go to war with them. That's the whole thing. AD, LeBron, and Westbrook know that they got about three guys that can really go to war with them. They need about three more that can go to war with them. And getting rid of Westbrook right now, I would say, might not be the smartest idea because what are you going to get back? They keep talking about sending him to a, to a loser franchise that's going to bring in, uh, some more guys with a loser mentality, and then it's just going to be some more losing. I would feel like this. I feel like this. You have to figure out a way to where you can start swapping some of these bench players for other bench players or start cutting people and start bringing in actual really good, really basketball players that really fit your team. The Lakers are just showing their true face right now. They ain't got no money and they ain't got no direction. That's real simple. And I really feel like Darvin Ham is not qualified to be the Lakers head coach at all. You got to stop getting get these LeBron yesmen and or these guys that have the mentality that okay let's play the new NBA style because that's the only way it works. No, your style works for how your style works on how your team is built. You know what I mean? And they're forcing up all these threes because analytics have told them that's the way you play basketball in today's game. That's not the way that, that I, then you see other teams like win championships like the Raptors and even the Bucks. They play with the real basketball mentality where you play great defense and then you grind out buckets and then you hit timely shots. And if the Lakers start playing with that type of mentality, then they can get some get something moving forward. But at the end of the day, there is no chemistry with this team and there is no, no like, I would say, motivation to really out there and be their best they're just wearing lakers jerseys right now this is even this is even this is bad to this is really bad to watch even compared to the days when kobe was having his when kobe was at the end years and you know you knew they didn't have a shot because they didn't really have a roster but they still had guys you could be like oh yeah man they got this rookie that's going to be good in a few years now you have that and so it goes back to what i've been mad about mad about for the last three years, four years with the Lakers organization is getting rid of the kids. I keep saying we didn't need to get rid of the kids. And I really like the fact that LeBron, you know, he went over to uh, Lonzo Ball the Lakers beat him by 20 points when he was still in Cleveland and had the secret talk that he was on his way. And I thought that LeBron was going to come in and be big brother and finally have a young team to go ahead and he would, he would go ahead and or be almost like a Bill Russell they wouldn't call him the player coach, but he's literally like the player coach. You know what I mean? And I think that it went wrong because he wanted to, he didn't have, he didn't respect Luke and Luke should have been respected because Luke is a real, is, is a guy who knows a lot about basketball. He's the real student of the game. And I didn't think he was a bad coach at all. And I thought that everything was working out pretty perfect with the way that our group was set up. Luke was a, was a Laker was like Pat Riley. Uh, a, a guy who, who played for the Lakers and worked in like every facet for the Lakers. He was an announcer as well. He did a little bit of scouting for the Lakers and then he became a head coach after a great stint with Steve Kerr winning championships in Golden State. 
But LeBron comes in here with this with this attitude that I used to play with this guy, so I don't really want to respect anything he's talking about because this is a guy that actually used to beat me in the NBA with his brain. You know what I mean? This is a smart guy that used to be, really beat up on my teams because, you know, and he was winning championships and things like that. And I know I don't want him talking to me a certain way. And I know that that's kind of like what the mentality was. But the excuse was this. We had to have AD. Everybody knew AD had uh, injury issues. And I said that it wasn't worth the price of admission. You're going to give up three, four possible all-stars to go ahead and get AD, a guy that might be really in the, already in the twilight of his career. The guy reminds me of a lot of guys who were great players in their first five or six seasons, but they just – can't they're not durable enough to stay up and to stay uh you know healthy enough to to have a a 10 uh, have a 12 13 14 year career because i think that's the best way to to go ahead and measure a legendary player is him playing more than a decade so i truly do think that at the end of the day the lakers can fix this thing but they're going to have to do some real – this going to have to be some real gut check time, and people are going to have to start becoming more accountable. And that means that guys like LeBron James can't be giving up layups at the end of the night, you know, uh, to and lose the game. And then go back into to the press conference and say, oh, we ain't got enough shooters. No, you need to play some defense, buddy. And that's how I'm feeling right now. And you can go ahead and eviscerate the Lakers as much as you want to. I hope Jeannie heard everything I'm saying. If she needs somebody to come over here and give her some real advice, call Mike and he'll give you a price. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, you, you laid out so much there, but I could tell that you've got that real passion for the Lakers. You know this team very well. And, uh, and you make some good points. This isn't just about what's happened, you know, this last off season. This goes back many, many years. You went all the way back to LeBron with Cleveland days. And I think that there is a one of those things where there's always like a ripple effect, a domino effect. One thing affects another thing. I like how you talked about how they went away from the youth. They had all these kids, as you called them, and they did. They were stockpiling talent at that point. They kind of gutted it all out. At the end of the day, I probably put most of the blame on Palenka. You know, he's a he's a fellow agent colleague, although from a completely different sport. Sometimes it works in the front office. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, you know, he knows a trillion times more basketball than I ever will. But at the end of the day, the results are a mixed bag, right? Because they had a, a good bubble run. But besides that, um, you know, I don't think Lakers are – Laker fans are satisfied with one short season title, but then not being a playoff contender or a playoff team or a legitimate title contender for three or four other years. I just don't see Laker fans taking it like that. And let's face it, Laker fans are really spoiled. By far the most spoiled probably fan bases in maybe all of sports. LA is kind of a fair weather town. They like a winner. They'll only support a winner. The Lakers and the Dodgers are far superior to any other sports franchises in Southern California. And when you have the Dodgers every single year being a contender for the title, you know, a lot of fans look at the Lakers, the purple and gold, and say it's unacceptable that uh, we're not in the same position. 
and uh and uh you know magic's got his foot into both franchises but yet it's the baseball one that's doing really well um yeah man i think you make a lot of good points man i really don't have much more to add to that um let's quickly go back to baseball for a minute because we still need to give our world series picks i think we both kind of revealed where we're leaning but let's make that official and talk about any props that you may like or i may like then we'll get to the commercial break and then we'll talk nfl on the other side but for me the prediction is really simple i think it's houston and six that's kind of been my position for the last couple of days i'm going to stick with that there's some interesting props in terms of who's going to hit the most home runs in the series. And I think that's one of the more interesting ones, Pop, because there's a lot of guys that could do it, right? It could be Jordan Alvarez. It could be Rice Hoskins. It could be Bryce Harper, of course, or Kyle Schwarber, who led the National League in home runs. Sometimes even you get little, little guys who get streaky and hot where the line drives, like Altuve or maybe even a Bregman. Who do you think hits the most bombs in this World Series? You know what? I'm gonna give you a surprise, man. Okay. Play shortstop. He's Pena. already coming hot because he he was crushing the Yankees and he hit a few home runs in that uh, series as well too. I think that if he can keep the heat going, because that's the actually ALCS MVP as well too. So if he can keep the heat going like he was in that series, I think that he got a big shot. Do you have a line on that? For mine, for some reason, it cuts off right after Hoskins. Do you have a line on that? What what the plus is on that? Let me check real quick. That could be an intriguing one, Pop. That could be an interesting one. The guy's hot, like you said. You know, if he keeps it rolling. And I like line drive hitters that can hit for power. Because when you've got that good stroke going, you know, it's not like, like a Schwarber. Because Schwarber, he could go like one for 16, you know, in the first three games of the series with one home run and 10 strikeouts. But like those line drive type of hitters, they can, you know, they can absolutely, you know, go four for eight with two home runs in one day or, you know, four for eight, two home runs in the two home games go on the road and be five for 11 and hit two more home runs. And before you know it, you know, they've got four or five home runs in the first four or five games in the series. So I could see, definitely see Pena being that guy. I think that's an intriguing pick. Did you find the line on that? I ain't see Pena yet, but I would go ahead and say, if they say bet the field, it'll probably be about plus 200, something like that. Because that's a bet the field type situation. Because I'm looking at it right now, I'm like, Maldonado, like, yeah, you haven't even heard his name. Oh, here we go. Jeremy Pena is going to be 12 plus 1200. He's 12 to 1. Is that for a World Series or most home I mean, uh, MVP or most home oh, runs? Most home runs. 12 to 1. 12 that's to 1. That's not bad, Pop. Then if he's an MVP candidate, let's see. Uh, if he's an MVP, I'm looking for it now. Okay. okay. Now, that would be interesting. If anybody out there could let me know if they know this, obviously we could Google this. When's the last time somebody swept the MVP? Like, League Championship Series MVP and then came back again and was World Series MVP. Has that happened before? My guess uh, is it probably has. I just can't remember it in recent time. I thought Corey Seager had recently did that, but uh, did he? probably not. Was he World Series and uh league championship i gotta i gotta look it back up mike but 
I can't see Pena on the MVP chart, but I would say this: I'm seeing a uh, hundred to one. So I would probably, I would probably put him up there at a hundred to one. Trey Mancini, fifty-five to one, is a good one as well. Too Trey Mancini was a big time uh, player for the Orioles at the, at, at um, and that was a big trade too as well. And Dude, Cassie any Lyon, good honestly, uh, pop any good hitter, were you getting fifty to one? Twelve to one again. I mean, he's home. not like likely, but for fifty to one, I mean, any look any starter. That's a good hitter. And Mancini is like a 280 to 300 type of hitter year in, year out, and he's got some power. 50 to 1 all day. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one. And here goes an interesting uh, person for you, interesting player for you right now. Noah Syndergaard was stuck in, uh, stuck in Anaheim and went, found a way to get into the World Series. That's crazy. And he was, uh, was dealing with all those injuries all those seasons with the Mets, and then he goes and gets traded to their absolute rival, and now he's playing in the World Series for him. That's 100-1 to right there, Mike, if he wins the MVP. But isn't he kind of right now more so coming out of the bullpen? I mean, I guess he would have to – what would have to happen is he's going to have to have like a Pedro Martinez, and what I mean by that is where they brought Pedro in like an inning number six – and it went like 13 or 14 innings, and the dude pitched like eight innings out of relief of shutout ball, you know, something heroic. I think it would take something like that. But, hey, man, World Series, crazy things happen. It wouldn't be the first or the last time that you have a a star pitcher come out of the bullpen. But I just don't know if he's starting enough games to be able to get like the W's and the stuff that helps get you MVP. Um, But... You know, when you're talking about pitchers, you know, it could be somebody like a Verlander, obviously. I know he's had been roughed up in a couple of World Series, but maybe it would be like um, Valdez or somebody. I mean, yeah, I, it would it would really be line-driven for me. Like, that 55-1 to 1 Mancini really intrigues me. Anyways, on that note, let's take our final time out. We'll come back. We'll get to some National Football League right after this. Stay with us, everyone. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show, talking with my man, Pop DiBiase, and we're going to get to some football here. You posed a question on your show yesterday, Pop. I like the question, which was Ohio State's path to supremacy. We talked about that for a little bit, talked about whether Alabama's, you know, got the schedule in their favor or not especially since they got to contend with, you know, a couple of uh, foes in the SEC being uh, the Tennessee Volunteers as well as the Georgia Bulldogs. They're obviously in different divisions in the SEC. I made the point that I think a lot of this has to do with who's going to be the conference winner, of course, and Alabama can get back in. But before we debate the SEC, I think Ohio State's path is pretty clear, man. I like I said yesterday, until Michigan proves that they're no longer Ohio State's bitch, Ohio State wins out and they get to the finals. I mean, or at least they get to the playoffs. Of course, I think they'll end up in the finals, but I mean, they get to the playoffs. I, I don't see them getting derailed. What about you? Um, Michigan's the only obstacle, and Michigan has to come to the Big O. So, you know, and they haven't won their. And last time they won at the Big O, I would say possibly Charles Woodson was probably still at the school then. So, um, yeah, they haven't won there in a while, you know. And I remember the la- the 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 game that started the whole streak. It was the Maurice Claret game where they got to the national championship. You know what I mean? And that game was probably the one of the hardest games I've ever seen Ohio State play because literally they were them and Michigan were were neck to neck in that game. But let me riddle you this. What if we got two Big Ten teams and two SEC schools for the Final Four this year, Mike? It's v- looking very possible right now that they say, okay, we can put Ohio State and Michigan in this bad boy. Then we got Georgia and then there's and they know that they're, they're waiting on Tennessee to lose. And I know this is not going to go over well because I've had a Tennessee fan DMing me all week telling me that they're they're the best thing since sliced bread. And I keep saying to myself is, I don't know, is Heath Schuler walking through that door? Is Peyton Manning walking through that door? Is T. Martin walking through that door? And I say to myself that that team is in, it has a very tough two weeks. I say that they get beat this weekend and they get beat next weekend as well too. I know it sounds crazy, but I think that, you know, you got a 19th ranked Kentucky team coming in there. 
and they just they knocked off uh, Florida when they tried to put them in the top ten for a week. And I think that you know Kentucky has a big shot to go into Tennessee get themselves a big win as well, too, because to me, Tennessee has to prove exactly who they are. But I think Alabama is always going to be the shoe-in for the CFP regardless because they can still make the championship portion of that. So we'll see. But Ohio State, though, man, what a team. And I think that they're improving every week. And I think that um, they know that they can't slack a minute. That's what's the best thing about watching this team this year is that the team last year was a little cocky. This team this year, they're not cocky at all. They know that if the defense doesn't get stops, they're going to put the offense in a bad position. And now since they're getting – C.J. Stroud had to go through the – what you got to go through, man. Everybody expects these first-year uh, redshirt freshmen, freshman quarterbacks that play for these big-time schools to step right in and be the next John Elway. It just doesn't work like that. They they're gonna have to go through some some learn. It's not high school, anymore, so they gotta learn some things. I think C.J. Stroud figured it all out, and that's why a lot of people have Ohio State pegged as one of the as the best team in the nation because they have the best player in the nation. Well, they got like three or four of the best players in the nation. C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. is an exceptional player. Uh, oh, uh, Jagba is another exceptional player, and Smith uh, is an absolute stud. Is going to be a monster in the NFL, and that offensive line. Oh my goodness, everybody's going to the NFL in that group. Speaking of the NFL, let's get to it because we uh, have a lot to cover. Very short amount of time, so we're going to have to consolidate this segment here in terms of NFL talk. Last week, my biggest absolute lock of the year was the Kansas City Chiefs trouncing the 49ers. I know you were on when I gave out that pick. That came to fruition. I absolutely loved it. I think it was a very eye-opening to a lot of 49er fans. They had such big expectations. McCaffrey coming in, the momentum of the trade, that type of thing. They got stopped dead in their tracks. Um, that leads me to the first game I want to talk about, which is the Rams and the 49ers. Now, this point spread is one and a half for the 49ers. They are a road favorite against the Rams. A team that they've dominated over the last few years. It's one of the very few teams that McVay has really been uh, getting dominated by. Uh, my, my dog Raider has to chime in there. I don't know if you heard him or not with a quick bark. He doesn't like McVay or the 49ers, uh, the Rams or the Niners, but... 75% of the wagering public pop is on the 49ers on this one. And I always say this, anytime that you have that many people from the public on one side, I go back to they didn't build all those buildings and hotels in Las Vegas with 75% of the public being right. Do you first let's just talk about the line. That one and that minus one and a half might be very overreactionary. The Niners are under 500. What do you think about the line in general? Minus one and a half on the road for the 49ers against the Rams. Um, it's, it's literally because it's a rivalry game and both these teams are going into the same place and they would have been, I think they would have been, and everybody knows Jimmy G's success against the Rams as well too. And after what happened last week, this is a bounce-back situation, but I think that 
the 49ers are actually in the point of the season where they're still figuring it out. They're going to be a much better team come November, in my opinion. So I think what we do here, honestly, Mike, I like the Rams in this spot. I know it's tough to say that, but I like the Rams to come out. They're coming fresh off the bye, and I think that they'll be able to establish some things as well, too. And after what happened to that 49ers defense, can it be that quick of a fix in a week? I think this team needs a bye before any before they get any fixes going on with them at this point because they have to you know reassess where they're going. I agree with you. I think this is a very overreactionary line. Um, the public is totally on it. I think the public's going to be disappointed at the end. I mean, look, the Rams are at home. They've got a better record than the 49ers. And let's face it. Yes, they have been on the right side of this series for a long time. But at the end of the day, those type of streaks come to an end eventually. And so what, what better time than now where timing-wise the Niners are banged up They've got a new piece that they still have to figure out how to fit into the equation. Professional sports, it's not like one of those things where you trade for somebody and immediately there's chemistry and cohesion and him and Jimmy are on the same page, etc. That takes some time, man. They haven't had an entire training camp together. They've had nothing. They're literally just inserting a player into the mix. Doesn't know the playbook, doesn't know anything. And... You can't expect that they're going to blossom right out of the gate. I think they've got the wrong team favorite here. I think I take the Rams, like you said, coming off the bye week. They are the Super Bowl champs, and I think they've got to win this one. If they go down to three and four, you know, um, after their bye, that's going to be bad news. At the same time, if the Niners lose, they're at three and five. So this is going to be a very, very heated contest. I'm actually very much looking forward to this matchup even though record-wise, they're both pretty mediocre. Uh, let's keep it moving. Here's a matchup that might be one of the most intriguing matchups of the weekend, and I would have never thought so when I looked at the schedule a month and a half ago. No way in hell would I have thought that the New York Giants and the Seattle Seahawks would be a really intriguing matchup in Week 8. But right now, the Giants are sitting at six and one in first place. The Seahawks are sitting at four and three in first place. This game is in Seattle. Pete Carroll is really showing that he is like the Belichick of the West. Uh, maybe not as many rings, definitely not as many rings. But I mean, the job he's doing with this team, Coach of the Year candidates on both sides of these squads with the Giants, with Brian Dable, and with Pete Carroll, Geno Smith really finding himself a little bit late in, the, in his career. I analogize yesterday, or kind of reminds me of Rich Gannon, how he found himself late in his career as well. What do you think about this matchup? Um, and just to correct you, the Giants are actually second place. Because you have to remember, the Eagles are still under. Oh, my apologies. The Eagles are first place. I apologize. They're unbeaten. Yeah. You're right. Thank it's you. all good. I want to make sure that no Philly people come after you this weekend. That's just, I'm just trying to save you from Philly, bro. That's because you know they hot they hot and heavy right now. They Eagles and they Phillies. Yeah, yeah, man. They got but a reason to be cocky right now. I agree. I'm gonna be dead honest with you. The buck stops here with the uh, Giants. Giants fans don't even believe in the six and one right now. I'm serious, uh, Mike. I think the Giants play uh, the easiest portion of their schedule. We talked about this on my show yesterday, and I think that. 
this weekend begins the their quick losing streak. I'm not saying the Giants can't sneak into the playoffs, but it's going to get rough when they go against the NFCs in a month. It's going to get rough. It's going to get really rough because, Mike, they got four straight games against the, the division. And I think that's going to be issues. But the way their schedule is lining up, they're – it, you get excited if you're a Giants fan because they do have the NFC South on their schedule as well, too. The crazy thing about this, Pop, th- that's it. That, those are the only matchups of two 500 or better teams playing this weekend. Can you believe that? That's nuts. That's it. Everything else is garbage. I mean, two and five against two and five, two and five against three and four. You know, uh, just, <laughs> just uh, not a very good slate. I guess the only other... Kind of intriguing matchup. Well, I guess there's maybe two of them. One being the Vikings and the Cardinals. I think that should be a fun matchup. The Vikings offense is really coming together. They got a lot of weapons. The Cardinals, they're still very robotic to me. I think the play calling has been terrible. The cohesion has been terrible, but they got some playmakers. That could be a fun matchup. And then the last one is Raiders are now on a two-game winning streak. We talk about this portion of their schedule being the one that they have to keep uh, pressing on the gas pedal if they're going to turn their season around. They got a chance to become 3-4. and four. They're playing in NOLA against the Saints. But because we only have about a minute, Pop, um, players of the week, give me one or two that you like a lot. All right, my dog bet of the week is going to surprise you, Mike, going with the Lions. And then my, 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 my I would say the best, cover of the week is going to be a sneaky one. It's going to be the Steelers with the plus 11. They don't, Ooh. they may, but they'll cover. Is that because they're a Pennsylvania rival, in-state rival, all that kind of stuff, or because Tomlin or all of the above? Um, Tomlin is going to play the biggest fa- factor in this because I know he has a game plan to try to make Jalen uh, more of a passer than a rush, than a runner. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I am going to go with two games. I'm going to go with the Rams at home like we talked about, getting a point and a half. And then I'm going to take uh, Sam Erlinger. I don't know why. I kind of have a feeling he's going to have a good first game out. Obviously, the coaching staff must see something that they like. They're only a three-point favorite at home against a mediocre Washington Commanders team. And uh, that'll that'll do it, folks. That's all the time we got. Pops, thank you so much. Always love having you on, man. We'll see you here again, uh, hopefully next week or sometime real soon. And we'll keep this uh, going. Hopefully dishing out some winners. Check Pop out on uh, Pop DiBiase Twitter and online for his picks. Anyways, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.